What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, put him up, along with my man Brian Baldinger. Jason Lockon for a part of this podcast as well. It's time to crush it, Baldy. It is go time. The season is yeah. here. Uh, next Thursday, we're talking about real football. We're talking about games that count. We're talking about the starters playing. All that stuff with the preseason is behind us. So I do want to get your take on this first game as we get into some of the other things we're going to talk about today. Because next Thursday, it seems like a long way away, man, but <laughs> we'll turn through the weekend, Labor Day, and all of a sudden we've got football with a big game for two teams that are both, I think, interesting. Baldy, obviously the Chiefs coming off the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any fall off, guys. You know, Baldy and I, we did a uh, division preview a couple of weeks back. We both had the Chiefs winning that division again. I, I don't think a lot changes, but... In the kickoff game, they face a team that was scoring a lot of points last year, Baldy, in the Detroit Lions. Well, it was a bold move by the NFL to put the Detroit Lions up against the world champions in Kansas City week one. We're going to find out a lot about both teams. Uh, The Chiefs are going and gunning for their eighth straight division titles. They've owned the AFC West. I don't think that's going to change. We will get to Chris Jones and what his stance is right now. But he saw a whole bunch of defensive tackles get paid in this business, and he's trying to strike when the irons is hot. But, you know, Detroit really didn't play their starters in the preseason. They played a lot of young defensive players trying to improve. You know, you saw uh, Jack Campbell out there at middle linebacker, James Houston at pass rusher. But they really didn't play their players. Jared Goff and Jameer Gibbs and, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. We, we really didn't see a lot of the offensive line. They, they, they scrimmaged a bunch in the preseason. So they're going to kind of unveil who they are uh, next Thursday night, you know, at eight o'clock. And so we'll find out a lot, but I do think their offense is very talented. I do think they could do a lot of things. I mean, if you want to do something to Kansas city to try to help your cause, run the ball against them and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, the old play, play keep away. And you can do that as long as you keep the score close. You know, if Kansas city jumps out first two drives, it's 14, nothing. That kind of goes out out the door. So uh, I do think that it has a lot of intrigue. We're all going to be excited. But Detroit's got to show us something defensively that they didn't show us last year. They got better as the season went on, Carl. They did improve. But it's got to be, you know, they got a lot of new pieces, new corners and new defensive tackles and new linebacking core. Like they got to show us that they can put it all together and play at a high level against a quarterback that doesn't seem to be bothered by very much in this business, talking about Patrick Mahomes. How do they justify the Jameer Gibbs pick? Listen, 
everybody was talking about taking running backs was a mistake. We know the Falcons took Bijan Robinson. And then at pick 12, Jameer Gibbs goes off the board. At the time, Baldy, I thought it was a reach. Okay. I thought that that pick for the Lions was not necessary. Okay. But then they make the deal and, and you know, they, they trade away a couple of running backs, uh, move on from one at least. I just, how do they justify that? Does he have to see a certain amount of, 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 of not only snaps, but, but plays to say, hey, we took this kid in the first round at a running back position, which has been devalued. Now, how do you justify it? Well, he, he's got to be he's got to be really productive, Carl. You know, I mean, they they also signed David Montgomery. They basically changed the whole running back room. Remember, DeAndre Swift, who was a starter, is in Philadelphia, and Jamal Williams is gone, and so who scored 15 touchdowns last year or some crazy number. Uh, they had a good one-two punch last year, and they said, "Well, we've watched David Montgomery when we play Chicago, and we can't tackle him. In fact, not many people can tackle him, and so." You know, you looked at it and you go, okay, Dan Campbell says, I want that kind of player on my team. He might start, uh, but he's coming off a major injury. Uh, all, all systems are go right now. But Jameer Gibbs has got to be, it's, he's got to he's got to win in the passing game, whether it's check down screens, you know, he's got to win in the passing game, and then he's got to be explosive in the run game. And he's got to get you some explosive runs. And so it's a, it's a brand new one-two punch behind a really talented offensive line. And so it's it's all about production, Carl. Like he's got to be out there, and it's not just hundred yard games because they're going to split the carries. But it's got to be those type of runs where you go, man, this guy is he's something he's something special. Now I talked to Barry Sanders about him, and he 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 liked his talent. That's that's Barry, and you know I mean Barry's not there every day in Detroit, but he liked what he had seen. He liked the pick. That doesn't mean it's the right pick at all. Uh, just, you know, the most famous player ever is kind of def- defending the pick. But you're right. They could have easily, with that 12 pick, Carl, gone and got themselves a defensive stud, another pass rusher, you know, corner. Like, they could have gotten themselves a great player at 12 defensively a- a- and really helped that team. But they said, no, this is how they want to win games. So you get the you get the running back on a rookie contract. Um, you know, it's not going to be prohibitive for anything else that you want to do. He just has to be really productive. As we talk about the week one matchup, guys, the kickoff game on Thursday, Kansas City taking on the Lions. I just want to briefly talk about Kansas City for a second, and then Baldy will move on. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us. Make sure you tell your friends about us. Baldy's breakdowns, he'll be doing stuff all year long throughout the course of the season. Make sure you check that out. And then we'll be taking your questions as well as we move forward through the season. More interaction on this podcast as we continue to move forward uh, as the season gets underway. We all talk about Patrick Mahomes, but I just want to talk about the other pieces real quick, Baldy. Pacheco, uh, Kadarius Tony. I know he's questionable and, and coming off of that injury and surgery, I believe. Um, Scandling, right? Scantling. Sky Moore, all these guys have been productive. So you move on from the Cheetah, and they go back and win the Super Bowl last year. And I know everybody wants to just say, well, they've got Patrick Mahomes. But these young guys have stepped up. And I think in year two for a lot of these guys, and even on the defense, Baldy, they're going to be better, which is why I don't think Kansas City is going anywhere. Well, you also have to mention Rishi Rice, their second-round pick from SMU, who's had a good summer. Um Heck, he was working out with Patrick Mahomes in Dallas before the draft even took place. So I'm sure Patrick is like, if you want to take Rishi Rice, I'm just telling you, the guy knows how to get open. So, uh, But, you know, they played six rookies last year, and they started three. 
you know, and you look at, you know, Trent McDuffie and, uh, you know, Watson and some of these guys that, that played and you go like they, they found good players and then they coached them up and they figured out a way to use them. And they were really important in the preseason. You know, the one change that's been made in Kansas city is both starting tackles are gone from a year ago. So Andrew Wiley, the right tackle, uh, Orlando Brown, Jr. The left tackle, they're gone replaced by Donovan Smith, who has been a good pro. He was banged up and hurt, played hurt all year last year, and it showed. And then Juwan Taylor, who was a high-priced free agent, uh, who basically never missed a game at Jacksonville uh, for four years. So they've got two new tackles, and it looks like they're ready to all systems go. The interior is so solid, uh, Creed Humphrey and you know Trey Smith and all the guys inside. Um, I think they're going to be really, really good. I think they're going to be able to do just about whatever they want to do. I just remember talking to Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the offseason. Andy Reid came in at halftime of that Super Bowl game. They're down 24-14. They're down 10 points. And so, you know, they're thinking, okay, here we go, coming out of the tunnel, going to start throwing it all over the yard. Andy Reid came in there at halftime and said, we're running the ball right down their throats. Mm. We're not even going to fool around. Like, let's just go win the line of scrimmage. And he gave them the ultimatum. You want to run the ball? We're going to do it right now. They ran the ball right down the Eagles' throats to start in that third quarter and took the opening drive for a touchdown, got right back in the game. So you, you look at what they're capable of doing. They're capable of doing anything they want to do, Carl. <laughs> I saw a quote from Andy Reid in practice the other day, like, you know, this stuff gets out. But he's like, you want to you want to be average, keep practicing like you're practicing. You want to be great, let's step it up. Like, it's just, you know, I mean, that doesn't flip a switch sometimes. But it's coming from Andy Reid. And so he's letting them know it's not good enough what you're doing out here today. So let's change it. They got great coaching. They got great coaching on, on both sides of the ball. Um, they're going to be the team to beat. They are. Does the Eric B. enemy absence hurt the Chiefs? Well, I think, you know, Andy, when he, when he re-signed, when he took Matt Nagy from Chicago back, he was basically saying, look, we're going to lose Eric. You know, we should have lost him. But we're just prepared to lose it. You know, like he, he felt like he was ready to go from play design to the way that he coached to the meetings, all the stuff that Eric did. I feel like at least whether Matt Nagy could do it or not do it, um, he's been a head coach in this league. He's had success. He's got a team to a playoff game in Chicago. Um, you know, what Andy does is he develops coaches and then he, you know, he brought Spags back because he knew he was going to lose Bob Sutton. So he's always thinking ahead. That's the Bill Walsh mentality mm. that he grew up, the Mike Holmgren mentality. Start grooming coaches because you're going to lose good coaches and start getting yourself ready. And that's kind of what Andy Reid has done for the last 25 years. Guys, you can watch us on YouTube at In The Huddle Pod. Subscribe and check out all the content there. And you can go back and check out other episodes as well. I want to uh, read to you what Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, said yesterday. I want everybody to know Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, is a well-respected and really good human being and a damn good football player. I think we all know this, all right? Things like this happen, and I tell every rookie that comes in, there's going to be a point where we disagree, and it's usually about money. He went on to talk about, you know, relationships are repairable. And I read that, and then I heard it. I saw the video of it. Chris Ballard said, this sucks for the fans, Baldy. It sucks for the team and the players. But is this a repairable relationship? Seriously. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, we'll find out. You know, John Taylor, you know, walks into train, you know, 56th Street, the practice facility there in Indianapolis, and he starts getting ready for week one, then it's repairable. If he is nowhere to be seen, it looks like it's broken. It should never have gotten out. You know, like the owner's the owner. I didn't know Jimmy Ursay a long time. I played there in Indianapolis. Um, it should never have gotten out. Like all that stuff should have been behind closed doors. It should never have been a public feud. It should never, it should have just been between Jonathan and his agent and Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard and, uh, you know, any, any of the coaches. I mean, that's just, that's the only people that should have heard about any of this. Um, but I do believe that everything is salvageable. Everything. Like I look, I played there when they suspended Eric Dickerson and it looked irreparable. It looked completely broken and they suspended Eric for six games one year to start the season. Albert Bentley stepped in. He was great. But Eric Dickerson ended up carrying the football for us, you know, and he was our starting running back when he came back. Like, it's just football. Like, Jonathan, you put the ball in the belly of the beast here, let him go run. Like, go in by, by the way, go run behind number 56, Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Like, you know, he's your your ticket. So, I think it's all repairable. I've seen these things, and we've all seen them. And then next thing you know, there's Jonathan Taylor in the uniform where he belongs. And because I don't think there's an option out there. They're not going to get a first round pick. No. Like they dangle them out there. Like everybody's right right now. We talk about Detroit, Kansas city a week away. Like nobody's saying let's blow up what we just did all spring and all summer. And let's go upgrade right now with Jonathan Taylor. And Oh, by the way, the compensation, the money, the contract, we can do all that. They, they had a chance to go do it. And it's not, it's not done. So Chris Bauer is basically saying, all the right things, because he's been a little quiet about this, yeah. but he's saying all the right things, and he's basically saying we're a much better team with our young rookie quarterback when he can hand off to the J train. Baldy, he's back. I'm talking about Joe Burrow. He was out and has been out since July 27th. Zach Taylor has kind of kept everybody on edge with, you know, he'll be back and when he's back and not saying anything. And now we see Joe Burrow back. The reason I say this is because – if, in fact, he's healthy, we think he will be. 
Burrow, Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Baldy, that division is unbelievable. When you talk about the quarterback play, I think, again, everybody's discounting what Deshaun can be, and we know what he was. We know what Burrow is. I think Kenny Pickett in year two takes the step. I really do. I like what I saw in the preseason. I like the way Tomlin has approached him as far as the development and what he's put on his shoulders. Baldy, this division is going to be a monster. Yeah, well, it opens up, you know, Cleveland, Cincinnati, week one. So Deshaun and Joe Burrow. A couple things about what you just uh, put on my plate here, Carl. Um, I went to Pittsburgh this year. Well, let's just talk Joe Burrow. I mean, two years ago, Joe Burrow's coming off an ACL, didn't play in the preseason. Last year, he had emergency appendicitis, and he missed all kinds of time. And there was Joe Burrow, you know, back-to-back years in the AFC Championship game Super Bowl. Like, I talked to Jamar about Joe Burrow, and he told me back in August he hopes he doesn't play week one. Now, all he was saying to me was, all he was saying was, I just want my quarterback to be 100% healthy and the, the calf and the injury that he had not to be any problem. And then he referenced himself. He goes, I had a bad hip. Everybody wanted me out there. I waited till my hip was healthy. When I came back, I was healthy, and I never had another problem since. And so when Jamar says he's just the adult in the room, just like Zach Taylor, like we'll put Joe Burrow out there when he's 100% healthy. We're going to test it every way you can test a calf muscle before we think about putting him on the field and let, uh, you know, Miles Garrett go chase him around the yard. <clears throat> That's number one. So I expect him to be ready to go. But if he's not, like, it's not going to be – they want Joe Burrow ready for January. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I go to Pittsburgh back in June this year to go see a mini camp. So they have a walkthrough in the, in the bubble that the University of Pittsburgh and the Steelers share together. And before they went out in the field. And I went out there into the bubble, and there's Mike Tomlin coaching and Danny Smith, special teams coach. I'm not in the bubble five minutes. And Kenny Pickett comes running up to me, just shakes my hand, says, Baldy, good to meet you. Uh, we're, you know, just like, like he does, Kenny Pickett doesn't owe me anything. He came right up to me. Like, he, right, he knows what's going on. Like, he's aware. Mm. And it said to me, like, he's in command. Like, this is what your starting quarterback can do if he wants to, if he chooses to do it. But it, it impressed me that he came right up, introduced himself, and, and then you just watched him practice and you go, he's gotten every number one rep. He's been out there the preseason. We think that George Pickens and him have something special going on. We keep seeing it. I was out there in training camp. This is Kenny Pickett's show. Isaac Salamalo at left guard. I think Dan Moore is going to be the starting left tackle because he earned the left tackle job. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've made some trades. Like I think they've upgraded the offensive line. Um, defensively, they, they've addressed every weakness they have. And so – they're going to be a good team. I'm going to see them week one against San Francisco. Um, 49ers have their hands full, period. They have their hands full. And so the division, everybody's improved to me. I think Todd Munkin in Baltimore improves that team. I think Zay Flowers and OBJ improved that team. I'm a little concerned about Baltimore's defense right now. I don't see a Baltimore defense right now. Not to say that they can't become one. I don't see it right now. They've had injuries. They had lack pass rush right now. Um, I have real question marks about them defensively. Whereas Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, I have far less questions about their defenses. 
Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes. This is In the Huddle. Our man Jason Lockon for part of this podcast as well. Um, if I give you just a few players at quarterback, I want you to tell me who you think has the most pressure as we get the season underway next week. Is it Russell Wilson? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Tua Tungabailoa? <laughs> is it, is it mm, Ryan Tannehill? Is it Baker Mayfield? Baldy, who, who, who going into the season? has that kind of pressure on them where you go, if they don't get it done, they may be done. Mm. Well, the first four you mentioned are, you know, pretty good talking points right here. Because we're always going to talk about the quarterbacks. But, you know, I would think that Aaron Rodgers in New York, I mean, look, they, they've done everything that he's asked them to do. You know, there's Alan Lazard, there's Randall Cobb, you know, and here's Dalvin Cook, you know, just came through the doors and is practicing. Like, you know, they basically they said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna help you, Aaron, by even adding more pieces to our defense. We'll draft Will McDonald, you know, and we'll have an elite defense. So we'll give you a top five defense. Okay. And then, you know, we'll we're gonna make sure that our our offensive line, Mackay Becton, Dwayne Brown, we we may baby them a little bit this offseason, but we're gonna get them ready for Buffalo week one. And so it's here it is, Aaron. It's we'll We'll give you hard knocks. We didn't want to do hard knocks, but we'll show, showcase you on hard knocks, and we'll show you what you've truly been for this organization all offseason. You've been a leader. You've shown by example. You've been up. You, you've committed. Like, it's all on you now. Yeah. And so we won't talk about being 39 and all this. Like, let's go do it. I think there's a lot of pressure on Aaron. Like, I, I think he welcomes it. I think he knows it. He knows the spotlight is there. We watched it all summer in Hard Knocks, three episodes, so four episodes so far. Like we've watched it. So now let's now it's about, you know, okay, Buffalo Monday night football, you know, in our yard. Like let's go, let's go show the world that not just we're ready for prime time, that but we're ready for a deep playoff run. Uh, Aaron wants nothing more than to get a second Super Bowl. Yeah, that that's I mean, he's he said that when he was in Green Bay winning, you know, MVPs. It's about Super Bowls. So let's go do it. Let's be the Matt Stafford, the Tom Brady, and let's go to this team and let's go do it. So I think there's a lot there. I think Dak Prescott, like that was not ending the season the way it's ended two years in a row has been disappointing to lose like they have lost. The last two years that that's been hard to watch. So there's a lot on Dak. Um, Tua, you know, this offense now, like, um, you know, Mike McDaniel. Okay. Let's, let's go do it. Let's stay healthy and let's go do it because we know the injury history is real and it has traveled and it has followed him. Let's see if he can 10 pounds heavier, all the things he did in the off season. Let's go do it. Like on and on and on. Like these court, I don't know who has it most. But it's, you know, at the top of the list there are some of the names you just mentioned. Baldy, I want to talk about uh, real quick, since we've talked about hard knocks, and, and just the Aaron Rodgers perception and the reality. Okay. Good. Perception is he's a jerk, little aloof, uh, self of, self-absorbed, right, over the years. These are the things that people received about him in Green Bay. You put him on hard knocks, 
and you see how he interacts with his teammates. You see how much fun he seems to be having. And you go, hey, this dude ain't that bad, you know? And, and I think sometimes as fans, right, you watch guys from afar, whether you're a fan of that team or not, and then you see the media reports and you see what happens in the media as far as, as what happens in a guy's life. And you go, well, Aaron Rodgers, you know, I've always said he's the most passive aggressive guy. I've always just wanted Aaron to say, here's what I want. Every end of the season, I'm not sure if I'm retiring. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to come back. And Just tell me what you want. And I think with the Jets, the love he's gotten from the front office, and you know this, Baldy, better than anybody, you've been there numerous times, it's reciprocal. Everybody keeps saying, why is Aaron doing all this? And I keep telling everybody, because he's happy. He's getting the love from the front office and his teammates that he didn't feel like he was getting in Green Bay. Whether he was or wasn't, this is why he's responding this way. And my point is, Baldy, he's likable. He has a likable factor that I don't think a lot of NFL fans thought he did. I think the what you just said, Carl, is you're, you're spot on. You're so perceptive in this whole situation. And then we don't really need hard knocks to confirm what you just said because we saw it when he was sitting with Sauce Gardner, you know, at a next game. And That's right. he was enjoying, you know, even talking about, you know, my favorite play this summer has been wicked. Like, he didn't have New York City. He didn't have the restaurants. He didn't have – like, they had good players in Green Bay. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he's got some young superstars in Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, and it's made him feel younger. And I just think – oh, everything we're watching is genuine. I see him talking to Peter Schrager, to Boomer Esiason. You know, it used to be, okay, my mouthpiece is Pat McAfee, everybody else a jerk. Like, right. and, and, and that's how we were kind of – we had to, like – Read him like he's only going to tell Pat McAfee, which, you know, look, great for Pat and great for all his podcasting and everything. But like, I really feel like, you know, even Aaron, the other day I was out there with Phil Cower at, uh, you know, a scrimmage and he's kind of just giving us the nod. Like, I see you over there, Baldy. I see you, Bill. Like, um, thanks for coming. That kind of thing. Like, it's he's he's likable because he's happy, Carl, period. He's happy. He's in a good spot. He's enjoying this. And now he's, you know, the pressure. You know, New York, the New York Jets have got some weird things that have happened in that building over the last 50 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and that's a lot of that stuff is it's just strange. You know, the injuries and the things that have happened and, you know, Belichick's hired. Belichick doesn't want the job, you know, just things that have happened in that organization. Like he can kind of make these things all go away. Um, and he doesn't care about the last 50 years. He wants to leave his mark right now. But it starts with wanting to. And, it, and I saw it because when he signed and he came out of the cave and he went to New York, I was like, okay, is he going to commit? Is he going to be there in the offseason? Well, he loved it, you mm. know? So I, I just think it's a great spot. It's a great location. He could do something in that organization that nobody else since Joe Namath has been able to do. Turn this whole thing around, make you relevant, and go win. And so you see him signing autographs to the fans. and Yeah. You know, yeah. it just there's just a uh, a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers that's been fun to watch, and I agree with you. Like he is a whole lot more likable now, um, mainly because he's really happy with where he's at. I know a few coaches on that staff, Baldy, and they have all been amazed. Not in a in a ne not with a negative attitude going in, but just when a guy comes in again, you don't know until you know. And everybody's been amazed that I've talked to at. at 
how cool Aaron has been and how helpful he's been. Hell, Baldy, I even think Zach Wilson has, has benefited from this. You know, oh, the way well, that the way that he's going about his business. Well, all the pressure went off Zach. Now he just gets to play, you know, just be now he just gets to be the teammate right now. And he can fit in and he can watch how you lead. Because he did he, he like clearly there's some of the things he said last year, he didn't know how to do any of this. Now he gets he just gets to watch a pro yep. go to work every day. And when when Zach, if Zach gets a chance, like he'll be a much better pro than he ever could have been. But the the relationship between Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron is about as real as it gets, and it's about as fun as it gets. And so that that's been really helpful. Because I've said this even on this podcast. If Aaron went to New York and Nathaniel Hackett was there, it would be good. Or if Nathaniel Hackett went to New York and Aaron Rodgers were there, it would be good. It would be an upgrade. But them together is a really good team, and it's a, it's a formidable group. Baldy, let's talk about this situation in Arizona. I think it's despicable what happened this week. Only from the standpoint, if you're going to tell your fan base, we're going to give ourselves the best chance to win, then you keep Colt McCoy for whatever he is. He is an experienced quarterback that's won a lot of games in this league and a veteran. Instead, you release him after allowing him to go through all of the offseason as your number one guy, knowing Kyler Murray wasn't going to be there. And then you decide, oh, we'll bring in Joshua Dobbs, no disrespect, and also Clayton Toon, who we drafted in the fifth or sixth round, and we'll figure this out. What the hell is going on, Baldy? I mean, this is tanking, isn't it? I mean, what are they trying to do? And, oh, by the way, last week they gave away Isaiah Simmons for a seventh-round pick, and Josh Jones, who they drafted, I think, in the second round as an offense lineman who could play in this league. They gave him away. It sure looks like uh, it's tanking. Now, you know, Jonathan Gannon, I think he's in a tough spot because this these are moves that he clearly can't be happy with. Right. You know, like, so, but was this discussed? during the coaching interview. Is that why nobody wanted the job? Is that, but because not every job is the right job. And if, if this wasn't discussed, then Jonathan Gannon is going every day. I wish I was back in Philly coaching that defense <laughs> and trying to get it back to a Super Bowl. Like it, it, it because on the outside, like it makes no sense at all. No. And you know, to, to the guys who I really like on that team, like Buda Baker and some guys, you just go like, they like play. You can never lie to players. Players know what's going on. And so, like, I live in Philadelphia, which was basically the birthplace of, you know, tanking with what the Sixers did and all the things they did to get assets, you know, and that guy that did all the tanking is gone. (laughs) Like, it feels feels awfully like that, Carl. It really does. Um, Yeah, and and listen, guys, we – this is the perception for us, but we're around enough people to know that these kind of things, when you start letting best players on the team go – and you change the quarterback like this, it it just t- it does, there's a taint of, hey, we want to lose, okay? We'll go out and play, but we kind of we want to lose to get that first pick. And I just, if that's the case, here's the other part of this, Baldy. They're still on the hook for some money with with Kyler Murray. I mean, even if that's the, the, the yeah, if that's the dream, all right. And you say we're going to look to spring of 2024, you still have to move Kyler Murray at some point. I mean, I just. It's a mess, in my opinion, to start the mess. season. It's yeah. a mess. And like, you know, to take a guy like James Conner, okay, who overcame cancer, 
They said he would never not just play football game. He might never live again. So, you know, James Conner is a guy that's got – he's got uh, perspective on all of this. But he also came from Pittsburgh, okay, where there was a certain way of doing things. And the Steelers would never do anything like this. So he, he grew up in a first-class organization yeah. that knew how to treat players. All right, now you go to Arizona and you're watching this whole thing just unravel and dishevel. And, and I'm just knowing James Conner, what kind of person he is. Like, you just go, you want us to go lay it on the line, okay, every day, practice games, okay, and and be a pro. And then you're doing this to us, and we we have to watch this and endure this? What, for the opportunity to maybe draft Caleb Williams next year, whatever it might be? I don't, you know, I mean, that's why you would, potentially do this but this uh it's hard to stomach and i feel bad for the players the true pros you know um you know hollywood brown james connor buddha like i'm just could go through the list of guys like it's hard to say like all right let's let's get excited for week one right now all right i want to ask you about a couple of guys that at least right now all right recording this podcast guys we're a week out from the start of the nfl season it doesn't look like they're going to be with their teams. And I'm talking about Chris Jones with the Chiefs, and I'm talking about Bosa um, with the 49ers. Bosa situation, the 49ers, Baldy came out and said, well, we have no plans to trade him. And, of course, they don't. They'd be idiots. But the Chris Jones situation, the general manager says, hey, I'm in contact. We're talking. But he's still not at camp, hasn't been there, and he's due to make, what, $20 million this year and wants a raise. Do either one of these guys end up playing in week one? Could a deal get done and these guys are, are playing in week one or we're not going to see them until week three or four? You could make the case that both players are as valuable as any – now, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, so I don't sure. want to say like, he's as valuable as Patrick Mahomes. But on the but defensive he's the side. Defensive, he's, he's, the most, he's the best defensive player on the team. It's not yeah. even close. Um, the defense looks awfully – average pedestrian without Chris Jones in there. And that's not to knock anybody else. He's just that good. And he's been that valuable. And Nick Bosa, you can probably make the claim that he's the best player on the team and has been. And he sets for how they want to play number one defensive football, how they want to play. He sets the tone, not just in the games, but every day in practice, he makes everybody else around him better. He is one of those guys like Aaron Donald that you better strap it on. This isn't just a walkthrough. That's Nick Bosa on the other side. Like, he, he sets a tone. I actually think both players are going to be in the lineup week one. Now, wow. I don't know how it gets done. Like, we still have a week away for Kansas City. We still have 10 days for San Francisco. I think Nick Bosa will be in Pittsburgh week one. I do. The, the game is that big. It's that important. He's that important. I think that, you know, like, we, we – you could go back and say, okay, Emmett Smith in 1993 wasn't there the first two games. They're 0-2. They're coming off a Super Bowl championship. And Jerry Jones goes, okay, this is not going to go any further. Here we go, Emmett. <laughs> like, that might happen. You might get two games where it's possible. Now I'm like, I'm sitting on a fence here. Um, it's possible that both teams could go, okay, let's play without them and see what happens. And – you know, San Francisco limps back out of Pittsburgh after getting beat, and there they are 0-1, and, and Seattle's 1-0, and and you go, um, I don't know, Jed. I don't know, John Lynch. We better get this thing done. Like, it, it, it might happen, 
Um, my gut is that both are going to get done before the season starts. Yeah, Jones, fourth most sacks in NFL over the past five seasons, four-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowl. He's 29 years old, so he's in his prime. Yeah, I just – Well, you, talk- you know, the other thing, though, like both players, at least like they're doing this, they both have great leverage. Chris Jones is coming off the most dominant defensive player, interior defensive player in the league, uh, and a Super Bowl championship. And there's four other defensive tackles, you know, whether it's Deron Payne or Quentin Williams or Jeffrey Simmons, that all got paid this year. Okay, now Christian Wilkins, he's in a similar situation, I guess, in Miami, but he's not in the category of Chris Jones. And Nick Bosa is coming out the defensive player of the year, and they're in an NFC championship game. So they, at least they're striking when the iron's hot. And, like, they've got leverage. Like, they've got real leverage. Like, San Francisco doesn't look like the same defense without Nick Bosa in the lineup. You can talk about Drake Jackson or Cleveland Farrell or Eric Armstead, whatever you want. That's fine. They're not the same without Nick Bosa in the lineup. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's In the Huddle, guys. YouTube, at In the Huddle Pod. Subscribe, like us, and uh, don't miss an episode as we gear up for the start of the NFL season. We've got a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. Every week, Baldy be helping us break down games and check out Baldy's breakdowns as well. And Jason Lock on four will be a part of this podcast as we'll be talking about all things NFL. Um, Baldy, as we get ready for week one, and, and again, what game are you at? You're at the uh, 49ers, Steelers? 49ers, Pittsburgh. Yep. Okay. Um, I know you're, you're focused on that and you'll be at that game calling it. But what other game, when you get done, are you going to be interested in as we look at week one? Is there one game or one matchup that has jumped out at you and you said, hey, I can't wait to see how that plays out in week one? Um, And I'll I'll just give you mine because, to your point, obviously Detroit and Kansas City kicking things off on Thursday night. But then we get to September 10th and we got a full slate of games and obviously we got the Monday night games as well, guys. But Baldy's game is very interesting. Uh, It's a 1 o'clock kick, by the way, on Sunday the 10th, San Francisco at Pittsburgh. And then I'm curious to see – what the Cowboys do against the Giants. Only because if Dak Prescott wets the bed in week one, can you imagine, Baldy, what this is going to turn into? I mean, seriously, if he doesn't have a great game against the Giants and they just traded for Trey Lance, which, again, I don't think that's as big of a deal as people think because if Trey Lance is playing, the Cowboys aren't going anywhere. But what a mess this could immediately turn into if Dak throws two interceptions or two pick sixes in week one. Well, the sky's falling in Dallas if that happens. <laughs> so, you know, the Giants um, are a much improved team. They just added Isaiah Simmons and Boogie Basham in the last week. I mean, two young pass rushers, two young. I mean, one was taken in the first round, one was taken in the second round. Like, high, like for whatever reason, Buffalo, um, you know, who knows. But I trust Wink Martindale in New York to take these young players and put them in good spots. Mm. They're vastly improved, vastly improved on both sides of the ball. Um, so the Giants will be highly competitive. Uh, but so that, yes, to, I to, I agree. You know, Jets-Buffalo Monday night football, like it's it's a classic. But yes. look, the Eagles going to New England week one. Tom Brady's going to be up there at Gillette Stadium. Big ceremony going on. I believe New England's defense is for real. Like I believe they are a great defense. Um and so, you know, Philadelphia, like we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in, you know, in the preseason. It's fine. Uh, Nick Sariani has his 
his methods. I don't think New England's offense is all that. I, like, they don't look very impressive to me. But, you know, it's it's tough for Philadelphia's offense. Go up there, okay, here's, you know, Matt Judon and Josh Uchey and all these, you know, New England-style defensive. They got safeties and corners everywhere. Like, it's a good matchup. And then, look, Cincinnati and Cleveland, whether Joe Burrow plays or not plays, we're going to find out an awful lot about that division. Um, week one, whether it's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, uh, Pittsburgh and San Francisco, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Like, those are huge, huge matchups. This week one, anything can happen. It doesn't dictate anything. But those are some of the games, you know, I know I'm going to be paying close attention to, um, you know, that week, that week one. Baldy, what's crazy about that New England game, they're at home. You talk about all the, the Brady hype and all that stuff. They're only a three-and-a-half-point underdog. And I'm like – Philly coming in after the season they had and w- with the way that they're loaded, but it speaks to what you're talking about. I, th- I think they re- some, of these, uh, some of these books realize, hey, in New England defense, this may be a closer game. I looked at that the other day, and I kind of scratched my head and said, three and a half? Eagles, they should be a seven-point, six-point, seven-point favorite in that game. Well, I mean, it's, it says, okay, Bill Belichick has had eight months to get ready for this. Well, since the the schedule came out, so four months since the schedule came out to get ready for the Eagles offense. He knows he's got all the pieces in place. Mm. All right. They've upgraded certain things. They've got everything in place. Go get Christian Gonzalez. You got, you got all these safeties. Like what's the blueprint? What's the game plan to contain Jalen Hurts and to contain a very talented deep passing game? Um, quarterback runs, quarterback scrambles. Like, I can't wait to see how the Patriots defend this Eagles offense, which basically was putting up close to 30 points every game last year. Like, I think New England will have a pretty good answer for it. Uh, It'll be one of those games you just really look forward to to breaking down come that Sunday night. It's going to be great. Baldy, you ready? I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm so I'm ready. ready. It's been a long offseason, guys. We've talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of things have transpired. But this is what we live for. Uh, and I say Baldy Eye and, and Jason on this podcast, this is what we live for. We live for the games. We live for the competition. We live for the, the Sundays, uh, you know, chock full of action. And we're here. So next week, it's all about game week. We'll be talking about other games and breaking down other games as we get ready for the first start of the NFL season. Baldy, man, great job as always. Have a great weekend. Get a little rest because it's about to be busy for you, my friend. It's about I'm to ready. get busy. All right, yep, my man. Sure is. All right, Carl. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you next week. Everybody take care. Thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you guys next week in the huddle. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 